Welcome to part two of this out-of-line discussion with Anne Sage. Okay, history of social media. Short history of social media from Anne Sage, because I know you uh, have been like OG social media person. <laughs> and like, I am an internet dinosaur. Uh-huh. I'm I pretty sure you were like, you and Steve Jobs were both like the first. Oh, nerds. yeah. I don't know. Me you, and Steve. You and Steve, BFF. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure that you've been on every platform like the day it started. And then. I wish. Oh, Okay, uh, let me back up and just like talk through my history on social media and then I'll, I'll speak to that. But um, so I started my blog 10 years ago this year. So and crazy. just to think that at the time, it, blogging and, and social media pretty much didn't exist and definitely really didn't exist as, as a lucrative industry in terms of like lifestyle blogging it was just a bunch of design geeks on like type pad blog templates uh copying photos from all of the the big decor magazine websites right um i can remember when i first started blogging reaching a point where i was like oh i've used this image four million different times and you know like swiped it from this blogger and then swiped it from that photo agent site and um and that ultimately was what led me to create rue magazine was because i was sick of regurgitating other people's content and that i think we all reached and by we i mean you know bloggers and and the lifestyle social media community, we reached a point where it was like, all right, it's time to start creating our own stuff. Um, and that was a big turning point. For me, that was in 2010, two years after starting my blog. And it, I don't think I could have done that. I mean, I know I couldn't have done that without the entire community of, of like-minded souls that I had encountered. And that was what inspired me and got me through and excited me and and still does to this day even though it's changed so much mm. yeah but as far as being on every platform when it started <laughs> i to this day kick myself that i didn't jump on pinterest sooner i was on it but i wasn't actively using it i thought it was dumb again because i was like why am i just pinning other people's pictures i'd rather make my own <laughs> and now i look at people with four million followers and they're laughing all the way to the bank and that's that's where my <laughs> my snob my snob tendencies get the better of me. <laughs> Your comparison. My comparisons, yeah. Mm. So, all right. So, I know that you you're like the queen connector. You're like, "Oh, I think you've introduced me to like half of my best friends <laughs> and I met you on social media mm -hmm. and now we're business partners and friends." Like social media is obviously a huge part of your life with um relationships that are real yes. in like in tangible world. And I think that that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. I think that social media gets a bad rap when people are talking about it a lot. It's very, um, you know, it's, it's bad for mental health and it's bad for comparison. And like it is. Yes. So like, let's no be doubt. totally honest about no it. Doubt. Um, but just like 
humans where there's the there's the dark and the light side the, yeah. there's the force <laughs> we all have the the dark and the light within us so how do you use social media to serve you mm-hmm. rather than it taking over your life so that you know you you're using it to get relationships you're yeah. using it to connect rather than feel alone well that's a great question uh, historically, I think a couple things worth noting. Um, I met my husband through the internet and not on a dating site, but through my work in social media, we were introduced through a mutual friend who was a colleague of mine and a fellow blogger. I know you through social media. We started a business together, Light Lab that we furnished entirely by negotiating trades with companies in like covering product for for coverage um and now that business isn't of itself a physical space where people can come together yep and everyone who comes into that space says to me the energy in here is so good and to me, that is a really nice sign that the spirit with which we created it was one of integrity mm-hmm. and passion. Well, I, I'm sure other people who have been on the podcast have spoken to this, but um, it's really cool if I travel to to feel like I have someone I know in a place I've never been to. And then that feeling of excitement of meeting them for the first time, but but not meeting them for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's such a cool experience. And it makes the world feel safer almost. It, when heaven knows we could certainly use a little bit of the world feeling safer. Um, so those are, those are some ways. But I also just, going back to what you said about being a connector... I really, really love the magic that comes when I've seen the work of person A or, or seen the talents and creativity of person A and seen the talents of cre- and creativity of person B. And maybe I never even have met either of them in person, but one of them asks me, hey, I'm looking for so-and-so in such a place. And I'm like, I've got the person for you. Um, and then seeing them go off and and create something amazing together, I don't need to be a part of it, of what ultimately gets created for me to take satisfaction in that connection. And I'm I'm kind of like an encyclopedic sponge for who lives where and who's doing what. So it's really cool then when the brain full of seemingly useless knowledge gets put for good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what does it take from you in your online presence to be someone that can translate that online persona into genuine connection? Because I think that that's something that doesn't get talked about um, ever. There are so many people who say like, yeah, and I met them and they were and totally, they were totally different. different than their online, pr- like yeah. literally where they'll just be like, oh my gosh, I, I literally met them and they were 
or whatever. Oh. You know what I mean? Like their presence is so cool in their feed and then you meet them and you're like, so what does it take to be someone that can be an online persona and then have it translate into real reality? Yeah. Well, I'll speak to what I think works for me, which is even though I'm a real perfectionist about my imagery, my written voice is sort of a contrast to that really polished, beautiful image. I'm self-deprecating. I'll use like really big nerdy words pretty shamelessly, but then also like throw in a poop joke. <laughs> Which is very normal, actual Which you. Which is very normal, actual me. Um, just like allowing space for irreverence and play and a certain sense of spiritedness. To me, that's how I've done it. So that when people then do meet me in real life, I, I definitely do get told, oh, you're just, you're cooler than I thought you would be, which is <laughs> such a nice thing to hear. Um, but it means I'm doing a good job of, even if I'm not presenting every single facet of myself, the facets I am presenting are authentic to me. My silly sense of humor, the way I love to use big words and be both totally brainy and, you know, have talk like an eight-year-old in the same sentence like um just being true to to the many sides of myself Mm. Mm. i love it um what connection does social media have to mental health and how should we as social media users be aware of that well since we spent this episode talking about addictions, absolutely our devices are addictive. Even at the level of our brain chemistry where, you know, every time a new email lands in our inbox or every time a new message lands in our, our comment section, the brain releases a little spurt of reward chemicals that cause us to seek it again and again. So the most important thing we can do is be present to it, let go of our judgment around it, because it's so easy for me to catch myself on my phone and be like, I'm not even, I'm just scrolling through Instagram. I'm not even liking people's photos. I'm just looking at people's photos. I am totally in an, in an addictive behavior pattern right now, like getting present to that so that then we can choose to use whatever tools we find work for us to create a healthy relationship mm-hmm. and 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 not shooting that second arrow at ourselves where we're like oh i'm i'm on my phone again i'm such an idiot i'm such a loser why can't i put this thing down mm. yeah um i i love what uh science mike said last week about turning off notifications. Oh yeah. Which I definitely did. And, um, and it's so great. The only notifications I have on my phone are texts. Mm. Everything else is off because then 
at least I feel like I get to choose when I open something and it's not just my brain being like, ooh, ding, ding. ding like you've got the ding, little ding, red circle like with Pavlov's the number. Woof, yeah, woof. I know. Yeah. No, I, I, I got Ivan the Apple Watch. Uh-huh. And now his text messages pop up on his wrist uh, and he'll just look at his wrist and while I'm talking to him and I hate myself for <laughs> buying him this watch. I literally can't cope. That's uh, so I rough. love you, babe. I hate your Apple Watch. <laughs> well, so Corey and Robert, my so my brother and my brother-in-law, both set their phones to grayscale. Which you can do. So, so that no color? No color. And it me- they both just say that they never look at it anymore because it's, it's like, so it's so boring. And so like when you open Instagram, it's just like, Meh, you know, like it's wow. boring and black and white and not cool. And so they both are like, we literally use it when we have to. I love that. I <laughs> Immediately my addicted brain is like, well, we can't do that because how would we edit photos then? And I know and I did the I same thing. If, like, how do I see if like all my whites are the same tone? And uh, <laughs> I did the same thing. I'm like, well, that's practical for you, but yeah. not for my life. <laughs> but I mean, it could be something that I I do and then just turn on the color when I need to edit yeah, a photo like it on my iPhone. Yeah, like it seems like it would be easy to turn it on and off, you, right? It, it is, Because yeah. I used to try, I used to do that thing where I deleted the Instagram app and then reinstalled it every time I used it. But what would happen then is, you know, like you can save drafts of yeah. images. Those would all get wiped out. Uh, Plus it's a pain to, like that's a pain to re-uploading. Pain. Yeah. But, um, but just setting it to grayscale, I love that. And that actually gives me hope for when we have kids because that's been something on my mind raising children in in this world of devices and screens <laughs> and how do i raise kids who are readers literally putting your phone on grayscale when you've got a kid would make it so much less interesting oh yeah oh I yeah yesterday that. i was talking to my i was facetiming with my friend in tennessee and her daughter walks in the room and she's like seven and she goes mom i need your phone my ipad just died <laughs> And she's like, I'm using it, hon. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is hilarious. Like, one device is dead, so, mom, give me yours. And I was like, holy shit. It was hilarious and super so – like, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, my gosh, that makes me, like – It makes me so scared. Uh Uh-huh. Partly because – I say to myself, oh, my kids will be the ones who they never watch TV. We won't let them watch TV. We won't let them have phones. They get to play with wood toys and games that only have cooperative objectives. But I was kind of that kid myself, and I resented my parents so much, and I felt so left out mm. for what the other kids had, and I didn't. And mm. I don't want my kids to to experience that either. So what's that balance yeah. like? Well, when you figure it out, let me know. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't allowed to have video games. Um, like we never had Nintendo, and all you know, all the all the like cool stuff that was going on in the nineties, I wasn't allowed to have. So I hear you there. It, it's, but I turned out okay. And I, I don't, I don't actually. Resent yeah. That. Now I'm like, Oh, I'm glad that it was the way it was. I'm glad I love to read. I'm glad I took piano lessons. I'm, I'm glad that I never played video games, but at the time, you know, we talked a lot about feelings of otherness and not belonging and being alone and for sure, not knowing what was going on with your friends, not listening to the same music because your parents didn't like what 
pop music was at the time. Yeah, like, New Kids on the Block yeah. wasn't allowed. Remember, oh my gosh, I remember <laughs> one of my friends asked me who my favorite new kid was, and I had no idea, so I just like made up a name, and I don't, I don't think I said the name of a kid in the New Kids. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I just remember having my neighbor, my neighbor Carmen had a new kids poster in her room. And I remember being in her room and she was like, is it sad for you to look at them? Cause you're not allowed to listen. Oh, and I was like, gosh. I'm allowed to listen. And I like pretend no. I was like, I can do what I want. I can do what I want. Yeah. And she was like, no, you can't. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, brutal. So, um, all right. So now what about where is social media going? Where oh. is it evolving? And wh- how do we, I mean, from from everything to like Facebook dying because old pe- only old people are using it, <laughs> to do, which is funny, true. but it's true, um, to like YouTube being a thing. But then like we're, I, I just read this thing about how like the mental health of YouTube creators is like tanking because they are literally, they have to work like 17 hours a day changed and it's a lot hard i I read about that yeah Yeah. so like the more content they upload and more regularly like that's when they're getting seen and that's like important for Um, their revenue so i well and that that also resonates with something i've experienced myself on instagram which is the more i use stories the better my posts on my main feed do which is Uh such a freaking bummer uh but I mean, that's what, like the algorithms are created so that we open it and yeah. never leave. So yeah. it makes sense. It but, makes perfect sense. But then, and then, but now we've got like bots and now we've got like, I mean, AI that's like reading what we like and, and it's just becoming so, I think it started out as being something personal and now it's evolving into something that kind of is like taking over our lives and, 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 you know, whether it's Facebook or some other app, they are collecting data on us. Yes. So where is it going and how do we, how do we use it so that we're still like Mm. in control of it rather Mm -hmm. than it taking over our lives? Yeah. I feel like this is a conversation I have with at least one person in some form every day lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yesterday, I was talking with someone who works in PR and, and works a lot with influencers. And and no one has a clear answer at all. I think the most important thing is that we're, we're answering the questions for ourselves and running them through the filters of our values system, mm-hmm. which is all we can ever do with anything in life, really. Um, I can speak to where I'm at with it right now, which is conscious of having too many eggs in that basket. Mm. That's where I'm at right now. And a lot of times that shows up for me as like a fear and a panic that, holy crap, financially it took me nine years to reach a point where I wasn't living month to month and my social media was my main source of income. And now that that's finally happened, I'm waiting for the rug to be pulled out from under me. Yeah. So I'm condensing things down to the level of what are the consistent components, which for me is creativity um i love 
combining strategic thinking with visuals to create something that has a clear message, be it a brand message, be it a personal message. Um, I love words. I love attention to detail. I love connecting and creating with, with others. So distilling it to those things and thinking about, all right, well, how can I apply that stuff that feeds my soul and that to date has lived on social media and thrived on social media? Where else can it live? Where else can it thrive? And, you know, last week we did that shoot for Krypton together and that's not going to live on our social media if we don't want it to. We were hired by a company to create visuals for them and combine their strategy with, with their visual needs and come up with something. And that was so satisfying because we got to work together and we got to use the space that we've created together. So, so stuff like that, I guess, just kind of building a new house on the same foundation. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good point because um I've asked other other influencers uh before that have been here and I've said like what would happen if social media dis- disappeared and like the panic on some of oh. their faces is oh. like they literally are like oh don't even say that like I don't I don't know what I would do. And it is something that is a form of community and income, income. for so many people yeah. now. And not just the influencers but like the PR people that I had coffee with yesterday who we are their main outlet now, certainly yeah. not print press. Yeah, yeah. And so on one hand, it's like the rug could get pulled at any moment. But on the other hand, like you said, getting ready to kind of evolve if necessary. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here, this is working for now, but also knowing that this is a brand new thing. It's been here for like six years. Yeah. Max. Yeah. And yes, brands are starting to connect. Like one of my, one of my friends that works with an ad agency, she said their budgets for influencers this year is the biggest it's ever been. So some brands are getting like, this is awesome. Let's go all in. This is where we're putting our money. And then there are some people that are saying like social media is dying and everyone's leaving and you know, things are just going to go, go away. And the next thing is going to happen and it's not going to be social media. So it's kind of that like ready for anything, um, not putting all your eggs in the same basket, like you said, but being ready to evolve if necessary. And also maybe looking at it a little bit like, is this a, is this a feeling that other generations have felt mm. when something new is implemented? Because when something is new and we don't know what it looks like or where it's going, whether it's like the stock market or whatever, you know, it's like, oh, this is cool. This is weird. This is kind of I wonder what this is going to look like in yeah. a few years. And oh my gosh, it's like freaking the crypto. Printing press, the, the, the printing what press. The printing press. What is this going to do? Yeah. <laughs> what is this going to do? Oh, change the world. And then kind of gets phased out, but then comes back. Like it's, and then even just like cryptocurrency, I look at that right now and I'm like, technically this could be like the big, the big beanie babies of, you know, <laughs> of like the next d- decade of my life. The next trolls. <laughs> Collect it all. But it could also, there could be a point here. Yeah. So it's that line of 
being willing to not it's like being willing to gamble a little bit um, and not take anything too seriously, Mm -hmm. but also take it seriously enough that you do invest in it and you do put yourself out there and and try to use it as a tool. Yeah. And like I said before, whatever you're doing, running it through your values as your filter, because that's what will steer you right in the end. Mm, very true. And everyone's values are different. Everyone's and that's okay. I've been to enough states and cities and into different rooms with like people that live in LA to realize no one thinks the same. Not, not, no two people have the exact same set of values. We're all little snowflakes. <laughs> Beautiful rainbow snowflakes. <laughs> so just live your truth, live your best life. And don't be mean. Don't. It sucks. Trolls, go get therapy. (laughs) (laughs) There's a nice version of you in there. Oh, my gosh. All right. So you and I both know and love cat footwear. We've had events of theirs at Light Lab before. um, And we love them for being really creative and cool people that are into risk-taking. And you've started a few businesses in your time and some of them you're still involved in and some of them you're not. So I want to hear about you when it comes to risk taking. One question is how do you know whether or not you're going to dive in and try something if it's like a business or a creative idea? And the other thing is how do you leave well if it isn't for you? So the questions I'm hearing when it comes to risk, how do I know to dive in and how do I know to leave well? Yeah, because I think, I mean, not everything that you've ever started is still going. Yeah. So at some point you left and no one really talks about the leaving stuff. Like it's like, oh yeah, I'm no longer with them or like, oh yeah, I'm whatever. But there's no conversation about it. There's no, this is how it went. I, I left well, or maybe I didn't leave well and this is what I would do differently. Um, so, so the umbrella answer is 36 year old Anne, who's done lots of work on herself and continues to do work on herself makes a decision to jump into something and leave something according to that values system that I have mentioned a few times while we've been speaking. And for me, what those values look like are, am I being true to my own voice? Am I doing my absolute best to ensure all needs are met? Am I listening to the other party? Am I respecting my own need for for space and downtime and, and, and all of that stuff? So, you know, like if I'm deciding to commit to a new project, I'll look at all of those factors. Does it excite me? Like at the end of the day, is it exciting? Do I get butterflies in my stomach about it or do I already start dreading what it will entail. (laughs) (laughs) And then the same things for for leaving well, like um, speaking honestly but respectfully and 
and really looking inside and being honest about what what are my reasons for leaving? Am I leaving because this is something uncomfortable, uh, but maybe there's growth here if I push through the growth? Or am I leaving because this is truly no longer serving anyone and I would be doing everyone a favor if I left? Mm. So that type of presence of mind and also a willingness to talk through things with my spouse, with my friends, with my family. Those are things I have arrived at now. In the early stages of my career, definitely I was not blessed with that presence of mind. <laughs> and I did jump into things. You know, ultimately, I, I don't harbor any regrets because I believe if you're if you're at your healthiest and happiest now, then everything has been for you in some way. Mm -hmm. um, the only regret I would say I have is is that probably people have been that I have hurt people along the way. But um, for sure, I've been that person who jumps into stuff without thinking it through and have paid a price myself and others have paid a price. Um, and I've been a person who, who just like goes AWOL and leaves stuff and runs and hides and, um, and isn't very mature about those things. And unfortunately it's having had those experiences that has led me to the point I'm at now where I'm clear on what integrity looks like. I guess you kind of have to not live in integrity to then be able to contrast it with integrity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's my answer to that, I guess, is, is doing the work I needed to do and still continue to do to just become ever clearer on the legacy I want to leave on the planet. One of standing for creativity and everyone having a valid voice and just being as nice to each other as we possibly can. Mm. It's pretty important, especially these days. These days. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I'm hearing you say that it hasn't always looked or felt the way that it does now for you to be able to check in with your value system before you start or end something. Yeah. Um, and that you've learned from your mistakes and that yeah. sometimes making, making a mistake is sometimes the only way to go, oh, well, that's not the answer. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have to try it on. Yeah. And, and I think like, the bow that I would put on everything we've talked about is at the end of the day, all we have is our personal responsibility. Owning both the successes we've created and the messes we've made. And learning from those messes, taking responsibility from them, not taking all the responsibility, like don't take on what's not yours, but be honest about what is mm -hmm. and move forward with that. What's your self-care routine like? Oh boy. It, it shifts and evolves. 
right now what's working for me is starting my day with intentional me time. And most often that takes the form of my cats and my coffee and a book or a crossword puzzle. And as long as I signal to myself at the beginning of the day that I matter, that I'm worthy of doing something that's just for me, then I can move into my day and do the work of my day. If I tell myself I'm going to take the downtime at night, more often than not, it unfortunately doesn't happen. And I've, I'm just learning that about myself. But if I put the quote unquote optional things at the beginning, then the signal I'm sending to myself is, oh, actually, no, they're not optional. They're the most important. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, even Andrea, um, recently she was asking me, do you have a morning practice? And I was like, um, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that even following the stats of like highly successful people, oh, yeah. they all have a morning practice. They have their morning practice. Andrea, that's our nutritionist. Um, that's such an LA thing. Like, I know. Our nutritionist. Oh my God. Um, she definitely, she, I feel like she sent me the same information because I got the email from her about, you know, like having an intention for each day. And the past few days I've actually, I've done it and it's felt really, really good. I have, um, uh, a life coach that I've worked with. She's amazing. Her name is Lacey Young. And she has a bunch of guided meditations on her SoundCloud. I can send you the link. But she's got a few that mm. are like morning guided intentions. And I just, I really appreciate that I can, all I have to do is lie there and listen. But I'm still grounding myself. It's like a lazy meditation workaround. Um, so yesterday's intention was be my word with joy. Mm. And today's intention is open channel of spirit. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds juicy. Mm. I like it. Um, how does your phone factor into your morning? I resist the urge to check email and social media until at least an hour of being awake. Wow. With varying degrees of success. Like sometimes <laughs> I cave. But my, I know I have a better day when I stick to that. Um, and, and then I'll like, you know, check in with my messages and my emails and see if there's anything urgent that gets to be handled. But then also another key component of my phone and my morning routine is I do use my timer so that if it's a busy morning and I have to say leave the house pretty quickly, I at least get like 10 or 15 minutes of that time with a book, that time with the cats. It's, it's a way of ensuring it happens even if it's only for a short time. I like it. I'm into it. Um, and lastly, what do you, what's a commonality that you share with all kinds of human beings, whether you're like them or not? One commonality. Hmm. I mean, aside from the fact that we all poop, 
going no going back to that when i was little so my dad's got this super active imagination that he gave to me thanks dad but one of the crazy stories that he told me when i was a kid was that the way someone knows their royalty is they don't poop oh my gosh so he told me that the queen of england and also jesus didn't poop and the way that my high school boyfriend won my parents over is we were sitting at the dinner table and my dad was claiming that Jesus didn't poop and my boyfriend who was so sharp and witty and is now like award-winning cancer researcher he says to my dad in response to this claim that Jesus didn't poop what about the many loaves Oh and word. he was in their hearts forever. <laughs> oh my um, gosh! But I've I've strayed from the question. So no, it's um it's a it's a good one. And isn't <laughs> doesn't Kim isn't it isn't it a thing that Kim Jong Un tells his people that that he doesn't poop? I it think wouldn't that, surprise. Me. I think that that's yeah that either that's a rumor right. or <laughs> right. Who knows what's actually true about North Korea? <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's a belief we system. Poop. We, we do. Poop. Sorry, we do. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We do. We do. Deal with it. And it all smells. It it does. Yes. Even Kanye and Kim. Yeah. Even Megan and Harry. Yep. Especially Harry. Probably you know it. You know he's in there with his phone for like an hour. All right, so is that your answer or is there more? No, I think I I like the idea of ending this on a conversation about poop. Great. Because that's that's just feels right for me. Yeah, it's very it's very you. been listening to out of line with caroline lee tweet me at team Woodnote or tag me in your posts on instagram using out of line podcast and let me know what you thought of today's discussion and who you'd like to hear as a guest on out of line next this episode of out of line was produced by me caroline all sound editing engineering and original music composition by Jaden lee and a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?